Hello, and thanks again for joining us on VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. We're on episode 116. You can watch us on YouTube or Spotify, iTunes. We're all over the place, especially we do particularly well on iTunes, I'm told. Anyway, you know me, Steve Lillis. Uh, our special guest tonight is Robbie Davis. Robbie, thanks for coming on. No problem. Good we, evening, man. <laughs> we, we usually introduce a special guest last, but tonight... We've got to welcome John Evans because he's just left a street party for the coronation. <laughs> John, was it a good afternoon? It was a wonderful afternoon, Steve. You know, we, sh- we should all be proud um, and happy that we've got a new king. And I had a street party going on 10 yards outside my door for six hours. And I'm I'm sure everyone can appreciate just how much I've enjoyed that this afternoon. So where was you? Was you out there sharing the Madeira cake and the cucumber sandwiches or hiding? Unfortunately, I was a little bit busy, so I just had to stay away from it all and let them all enjoy the fun. Well, I'd I'd stand by the door waving your flag. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, I'm sure in Liverpool, Robbie couldn't walk down the street for a different street party, could he? I'm, I'm sure they were all over the place, weren't they, this weekend? Pack it in. Pack it in. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, we'll rush on because John's got his barley water there from his uh, street party, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure he's got to get back for the evening. What is it? I don't know, foaming out from a jug, I suppose, you're going to have this evening, John. Anyway, Robbie, um, so many people saw the horrific injury you suffered against Dara Foley, and uh, I know you picked your recovery and your future as one of the topics, so we won't touch too much on it before um, we start. But I'm just wondering, what sort of support have you had from friends and your boxing family in the gym there? Uh, Do you know what it's... um... A quiet one with boxing sometimes like when you step away from from it all obviously the rest of the boxing world's got to carry on um so i've had messages and i stay in touch like through text message with a lot of the people about me gym and things like that and when i'm out of home with me for me and missus and the baby that keeps your mind off things but um it's been continuous for me from the second i got out the ring i luckily enough i got um i got sent home in a cast that night and then about seven o'clock in the morning, the hospital rang me up and said, um, like this top professor who they wanted me to work with anyway has had the cancellation in triage. So because my injury was so raw and the full swelling hadn't come out, they said, if you're willing to come back up now, he can operate on you if you still want it. So I went straight back up to the hospital, got the operation done the very next day. And then within two weeks, he took me out of cast, put me in a boot and I've been... Literally working every day on rehabilitation since in um, a place by Liverpool Airport called Rehab for Performance. Um, the injuries what are more like what I've got. I suffered by like football players and rugby players, so I'm in there with a lot of like Premiership players or England rugby players, and um, they're all wondering like how a boxer has got a sort of injury the way I have, and it's like it's the most freak accident ever, isn't it? But um, I've been in good hands. I've been working hard, and um. I'm way ahead of schedule, so just got to keep the momentum of uh, getting myself back on my feet 100% first before I make any moves. Yeah, Robbie, I'm sure when you were in hospital, there were some dark moments there, you know, where you were left on your own before you got sent home. If someone had said, at this point, this quick to the accident, you'd have been where you are now, building it back up, rehabilitating, would you have ever believed that? Because this is like, um, I text you the other day, it's like a Wolverine recovery, it's I can't believe someone come come back from a broken leg as quick as this. Has it taken yeah, you like, by surprise? This, yeah, do you know what? Because I've I've never really broken any any major bone in my body, so 
only when I'm getting told by other people and they like they see me like they just do our like local shopping centre and I'm walking through it. They're like, How are you walking already? And I'm like, I don't know, just following the routine of what I'm told to do by my physios and my rehab team. Um like they're all surprised as well. And after six weeks, the actual professor who put me in the boot cleared me and said you don't even have to wear the boot now after six weeks. So he, when I was actually in there, he shouted another doctor in and showed them the um, like the scans and the med- the the medical the pictures and that, and he was like, "Oh yeah, it's all healing, great." And he went, "That's in six weeks," and the the other doctor was like, "Wow, you've done brilliant, blah blah blah." I was like, "I haven't done anything really." <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just it just worked out that way. Do you know what I mean? So um, but. I, I can I'm not out the dark yet. I can see the lights, but um, it's still not a hundred percent. But it, it's getting there. Do you know what I mean? Right. All right. And well, I tell you what, we'll we'll push on with it. You, I think it's your second appearance, Robbie. We we speak for three minutes on each topic. Then John rings that bell and gets a bit serious. Unless unless the neighbours have got it while they're having their street party outside tonight, <laughs> the bell to celebrate. John, have you got the bell? Yeah, it's here, Steve. Oh, uh, you've you've nicked it off and they're all waiting for it back. Hey, when 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 I got home for it for in, with my injury for a laugh, I bought a bell off Amazon <laughs> and it was, was jingling it to the missus. <laughs> oh, she was screaming the house down. <laughs> how long did how long did it last before it got lobbed at the wall? It it didn't last long actually. I I shook it and went um, like Rebecca, Rebecca dear, I need you. And she she went. You're recording on Instagram, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll carry on about yourself, um, Robbie, of round one. Uh, John, have you got your clock ready? Yeah, all ready and to go. You spoke about Let's your go. injury. So tell us about, you know, your plans for boxing. I saw a bit of social media where you, you, could, you couldn't hide your disappointment when Jack Hatchell got the Dara Foley fight. So what are the plans and when? Yeah, it's like um, obviously, of course, I wanted the rematch. I uh, spoke to Eddie briefly, but um, with uh, Dara Foley, he had in his contract um, that he had to fight again within ninety days. So whatever sort of deal he done to take the fight with me on short notice, he must have had to get another fight, maybe for better money in in ninety days. Because I've seen there was um, there was talks of him fighting um, Cully. Had a lightweight, but he basically said, I can't make the weight. He wanted Cully to come up. There was back and forth. That was didn't happen. And then the next thing, Jack Castle signs with Matchroom. So they must have just thought that the best thing to do now is put him in co-main events with Jack. But I have spoke to Eddie briefly because I, I did make it no- noted that um, like I was disappointed because I wanted the rematch. Like, because I feel like I was hard done by because of the injury. And um, he has said to me... Um, that I can still do the rematch afterwards. But um I I don't expect him to beat Jack, but I just want him to give him a good a good a good account of himself. Yeah. yeah. Have you any indication, you know, you've spoken so positively about your recovery and people stopping you when they see you walk into the shops, can't believe you you're walking so freely when you might be back in action. No, do you know what I've had um besides them on odd little text messages off Eddie himself, um no one else has spoke to me at all about what's next. So I've literally just had to either sit on my own and stew on things or just get on with me recovery. That's all I've really been doing at the moment. When If if Jack takes Foley apart, Robbie, which he's capable of doing, he's a good fighter, Jack, you know, and it's three or four one-sided yeah. rounds, would the rematch lose a little bit of a appeal? Or is that something that before you call it quits, you need to put that right? How, how are you thinking about it? 
yeah, it is definitely something like because listen, I got it once and I got it once in two rounds, and then the third round it was over. Do you know what I mean? I I feel like I only got it with that shot because I got very complacent. Like I was just doing what I wanted as I wanted, landing my right hand as freely as I wanted, and then I got a bit complacent, got clipped with an overhand right, and when I went over, snapped my leg at the same time, which was unfortunate. And um, even with the knockdown, I feel if I hadn't broke my leg as I got up and just carried on doing what I was doing anyway. Um, and reckon that I either ran away with the scorecards or stopped them late on. Um, so it is definitely something I'd, I'd like to make right before I do anything. But um, <laughs> there is still fights for me, but I don't want to shortchange myself with having a loss to him in the meantime beforehand. Like, if I could make that fight before the end of the year, that I'd be grateful. But if I can't, I'd take one before. And, and then I'd still want the rematch, regardless of how we get on with Jack. Right. Right. Round two. Well, thanks for filling this in on where things are with you, Robbie. And uh, I'm sure everyone watching, listening, wishes you a swift recovery. But now, uh, most a lot of everyone seems to like you, Robbie. Now we're going to talk about someone who, um, you know, seems to divide opinion. They're the Marmite man, Ben Whitaker. Um, I just think. You know, you could in young fighters these days. Um, they need more than ability. They need to have something to sell themselves on. And yeah, I think the X factor. that X factor, yeah. And Ben's got an X factor that Marmite. Um, you know, people hate some love him, some hate him. Um, I, I just, th- I just think he's doing it his way, and I've got, I've got no real problem with with the way he, he's going about it. You know, maybe the only thing from yesterday's fight that made me feel a little bit wind slightly was the lack of respect to a guy who was just there to make up the numbers. Uh, that's the only thing. But I, I think he knows exactly what he's doing and he's he's going to wallow in being this Marmite man. Um, I feel though, like if you knew if you knew Ben as an amateur, he'd be like, he was doing that at a very good level though, even as an amateur. I can't imagine he was getting told off by the coaches for doing certain things. I remember him stepping one way, stepping the other, and then like rolling under a fella's arms and then hitting him with two shots. And it was like a European semi-final or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So I feel in them sort of fights where he's doing it against the lower level opponents, that's what makes people wince and cringe a little bit. But if he carries on doing it as he goes through the levels, it will be one of them where one minute, one minute they ate him. Then they'll be sitting on the fence like, oh, well, maybe it's not that bad. And then before you know it, they're all fans. So it might just go through the stages of how they feel about him because he's still doing it at the lower level. But if he carries on doing it as he goes through the levels, he'll have that sort of star power like of what Naz used to have. Do you know what I mean? And even the way he come out with the um, the ring walk and the leopard print stuff, I feel that's the sort of look he's going for anyway. It's either you either like me or you don't, but I don't care. Do you know what well, I mean? The one thing Naz had was lights out power, wasn't it? And Ben yeah. Dunn might not, may not maybe have that. I've seen, I've seen, well, I think it was his first fight with Sky. He, he put that lad lights out. Do you know what I mean? And he was just flip, like flexing one way, going the other, and then he just hit them with one right hand, and he he, he didn't like even get up. He froze him and put him down. So maybe he hasn't got that one punch knockout power, but I feel he's that accurate with his yeah. skills. He can definitely do it to a few people. He's very capable. Yeah, it's so funny yeah, you I, mentioned. I remember back in the back in the old days, Steve. 
Friday night used to have The Word on Channel 4 and Naz used to be fighting on ITV yeah. and you'd flip. And people hated Naz. Yeah, the commentators I, I, hated him I, when he was taking the piss out of people and dancing right. around. By the time he fought Badillo and he was doing that, people absolutely loved it and they were there for the show. So the you can, like Robbie said, you can turn it round, can't the you? The first time Naz did it, I'll never forget, it was a Wednesday night. He won the European title. I was there in Sheffield with Buncey. He beat... Bel Castro. Bel Castro. And in the 11th or 12th round, he totally took the piss out of Bel Castro and achieved so much. And that, that was the night I knew Naz was a superstar. Bel Castro in his next fight went and fought a guy for the IBF title called Harold Gray. Was he a Colombian? Oh, Can't think. And he almost beat him for that. The, the, the fight after that. And Naz got absolutely hammered for showboating against Bel Castro. But you know well, what? Ben Whitaker, welcome any time for me to watch him or be on, in, in, on my TV. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, I just feel like sometimes if you get a fighter, then he, he if he, he was as good as the way Ben is coming from the Olympics, loads of credentials. If he didn't have something to step him away from the other Olympians, he wouldn't yeah. be a topic now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the sort of thing. Yeah, he's he's on the end of everyone's lips, so he's doing what he wants in the right way, in ways. Brilliant, John. Over to you, um, Joshua Buatzi. Yeah. You know what? I've been a. I like Josh Boatz. We spoke about him a lot, and the ability he's got is crazy. But I think next time it's got to be sink or swim time for Josh. I think he needs putting in a fight that maybe scares him a little bit, draws something out of him. Because going through things like that last night, it's it's not doing him any favors. I know he's been out of the ring for a year, and you could see, you could almost see the rust falling off him as the fight went on. But we need. He needs to follow the Lawrence Acoli path here. He needs to be back in the ring quickly with something that's really going to challenge him. And I still believe, I'm still 100% sure that Joshua Boatsy can become a world champion. But I think next time we've really got to see him tested and we've got to see an opponent that's going to bring something out of him because I'm certain it's in there. And I, I want to see it. I want to see what he's capable of. And I think it's time now. What, I, I think what, what Josh needs to step up. What sort of opponent are you talking about? To, I think to we see need that to I think we need fringe world title or someone who's going to put it right on his chest like Aziz. I think Aziz, we need someone to draw something yeah, out of him. I'd like that fight, Aziz. I think that'd be a great fight. Do you know what I mean? Because Aziz has like come up on the blind side of everyone. Like, yeah. Just like we're like the likes of um, Buwati. He's been at like that star power from the Olympics. Dan Aziz has just come up the up the quiet side and he's been winning everything, beating everyone, doing everything you've asked of him. And now he's right up there as well. And now, like when when they were both um, earlier on in their careers, either probably or it's everyone would have favoured Boatsy straight away. Whereas now you're like, ooh, could go either way, go fight. Yeah. So um, think that's definitely one. You know, who was the who, who was the one who fought on the on the matchroom card? Who's the same weight? He beat Blotniks. Isn't that the same weight? Uh, yeah, um, Vosdick. Yeah, he's a good opponent. Oh, last night, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, the one fringe world title. Yeah, guy. I saw Eddie's yeah. going to push for that for the final eliminator for the WBA. I mean, that's been Eddie mentioned that with with Buati. Yeah, because oh, can... like, that'd be a big fight. That's yeah, another Eddie's that's mentioned another that. But yeah. what's interesting, just going moving slightly, the last because this gets we've got time to finish this. Lawrence Acoli, uh. Joshua Biazzi, both gone to American trainers, both gone to Sky. Crowd have been walking out both fights. Has, has the trainer switch affected them at all? Mm, I think it. I think um, 
they've gone to them trainers because they've got so many credentials and like if they've um, they both probably they both come from good coaches as well. So yeah. if you're gonna leave, you've got to go for someone where you think you're gonna learn more, uh, not and not go backwards. So I think that's the reason for it. I just feel like um, with Boatsy, he was he had quite a long time out the ring, and I think that showed. I think in his next performance, if it's quickly, you'll see a better Joshua Buatti um, with Lawrence. I think it'll just take a bit more time to uh, mould the new style into his um, into into the way he's going to fight. But um, obviously, he's fighting me gym mate, so yeah. I don't want that to be too soon. <laughs> but um, but uh, that's just the way I think it's going at the moment. But I think the two of them are... Um, I think they, uh, eventually they'll just uh, they'll get back to the better ways. Um, I think it's uh, a lot of pressure on the shoulders because they've left match room, and then if they don't have a good performance, everyone's like messaging Eddie saying, "Oh, you, you haven't missed nothing. Don't worry about it." Blah blah blah, and they probably expect all that as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, round four. Back to you, Robbie. Um, now that you're at the second topic. Um, John Ryder, very brave, heroic in defeat against Canelo Alvarez. Um, suggested afterwards that Canelo might be past it. What do you think, Robbie? Do you know what? I actually, um, I was listening to John Ryder's post-fight interview and he actually thought that as well. He said he's past his best, but yeah. um, he couldn't get me out of there. But I think it's okay saying that. Like, yeah. I don't think Canelo would beat Bavol if he fought him again. But I think if he stayed at super middleweight, he is still, he's still the man. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, how many times have we seen John Ryder fight people and get it with a right hand just on the button and be it and put down? Like, there's not many that can do stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? John Ryder's a tough man and um, a very good fighter, being in there with the best. And uh, I think Canelo is is still the best at super middleweight. I think it'd just be hard for him if he stepped up to Bavol. Yeah. Because um, he's another class act. And I think size counts going into them sort of fights. If you've got a good big and versus a good little and I think the the good big and will nine times out of ten always come out on top. I mean, I, you know, I think it's far too early to say he's past his best. You know, on on last night's performance, they I agree with what you said. You know, there's only really Benavides I think can challenge him at middleweight, um, super middleweight. But if you go back, he's been fighting at the highest level for twelve years. It almost twelve, thirteen years ago. He beat Matthew yeah. Hatton, that's super welterweight. Even he's only been fighting twice a year and he's got all that money, you know, and that super, you know, we've got to understand how big he is in Mexico. He is their number one sporting yeah. superstar. It, it must get harder to motivate yourself when you're 32 and you've been through that number of training camps. It's been every fight since 2011 has been big. Yeah, yeah someone yeah. posted his resume earlier on today. I think it was like Boxing Kingdom. And there was like, I think it was like over, say there was 20 odd fights. I think like 16, 17 of them were all world champions Nuts. or former world is champions. Is that what it is? Yeah. What a CV. Like, what's your yeah. what's your opinion, well, John? What, if, if, he's, if he's not what he was, he, he he made pretty straightforward work of that last night, didn't he? John's a good yeah. fighter and he was busted up and in a bit of a mess there last night. But one thing I would say he might have lost, Robbie will know better than, way better than me. Has he lost that ability to maybe go up a gear, Robbie? It all looks a little bit more one pace now. And if he's got people hurt, Golovkin was a sitting duck in that second fight and he faded against Bivol. 
and they didn't seem to be that burst in the second half last night to maybe get a hurt rider out. That's the only thing I can see, but skill-wise, he, he looks as really good, yeah, doesn't he? I think even from when he fought Callum Smith, he's like fell into that sort of role where he has a tight guard and just bobs and weaves, and it's a slower pace, and he just picks his shots as the fight goes on. I feel like that was his style last night against John Rather, um, where you used to see where he'd get you on the ropes and he'd throw four, five, six shots, where I don't think he really does that now. He'll like set you up for maybe one or two big ones. It'll still work. I, I think John would have done a lot better if his nose wouldn't have been busted up in that third round, was it? Uh, I think that took a big effect because um, John was struggling to breathe. He then started standing up in between rounds uh, to help get his oxygen in him, probably so he could breathe through his mouth rather than his nose. Um, so I, I, I still think, like, like I was saying before, I still think he's the best and he's still the man to beat. I just think if he goes up against a fight the vault, I think it'll be the same outcome. Yeah, I do. Right. Thanks a lot. Uh, round five, I want to um, just touch on how some boxers might have a way forward. And I've got this. I'm not going to name the fighter. because um, Someone told me this the other day, what a fighter's planning to do. Now, fighters that are okay professionals but aren't going to win British titles, you know, or go on to a <laughs> higher stage. Do you ever see... I was, I was told a story of a fighter. I'm, I'm not going to name him. He's got a great background story. He lost a, a decent-sized fight recently. He's going to have another one. He's probably going to lose again and then go on to that misfit circuit because he's got a story. Can, can, can you ever yeah, see more, more fighters going down that but, way? Guy, guys that can't... But not, but not everyone can do that. To go on that misfits, you've got to have some sort of pull and power, some, um, like, be an influencer in your spare time or... You need to have something more than just your boxing. Like, if you're just a failed boxer, you can't just go on that misfits. Like you're saying, if your story's big enough and you've got a big following and people want to watch you fight these misfits, YouTubers, whatever they are, race car drivers, ex-MMA fighters, like um, then people will watch it. But if you haven't got nothing like that, you can't just be a failed 10-0 fighter. Yeah. You fought 10 journeymen, stepped up once, got beat, and then jump onto misfits. Like, I don't think it'll work like that. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. so I don't think there'll be as many as you think going over to it. But if, like you're saying, the fighter that you're on about's got a great story, he's got a big following. Like, I mean, I think it'll be an outcome. Like, I know there's a, um, a great fighter from Liverpool, and he's meant to have a, um, a massive fighting line with, um, with, one, with a massive star. Um, and that'll be like it won't be misfits. It'll be that it, it'll be bigger than that, and um, it's the same sort of scenario. Um, he's thinking to himself, if I fight you and just make some noise because my following's massive, your following's massive, I could make more money off this fight, and we're both not boxers than I would off any of my career. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I suppose if if you were big enough to make an impact in misfits with the crowd you need, like Robbie said. You'd be a looked-after home fighter in boxing and you'd get your career bought along slowly, wouldn't you? There'd be someone would be building in boxing if you could attract that audience. The other thing is, which of those misfits are going to volunteer to take on a train, someone who's been boxing yeah. for 15, 20 years? Well, well, well look at, look at Tommy, Fury, Tommy Fury yeah. as example. He's, um, he's just won that fight and now he's getting called out by KSI. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's another big fight for him and he's probably looking at that thinking... Well, you got beat by Jake Paul, and I've just beat Jake Paul. 
So this is another money fight for me. So I'll take that every twice on Sundays. Yeah, you know what? From I'm speaking to someone who's quite close to Tommy Fury, and a few before the last fight, he was saying to them that he wants to be a serious boxer. But when there's this sort of money being thrown at him, yeah. he, he just can't turn it down. He just he won't yeah. turn it down, and no one can blame him. That's why I, I didn't. I, I, you know, as I said, we were talking earlier about him against him against Jake Paul. Um, but that wasn't my sort of thing. I was still fascinated and found a way to see it. Oh yeah, yeah. great stuff. Hi. Right, um, final round, John, no lose. Yeah, again, another one, I'll, Robbie will be able to answer way better than me, but John Ryder doesn't come into this because John's a world-class fighter and he, he took that challenge last night and I think he earned his shot and he just came up short. But it's something I see bandied around. He's got nothing to lose in this fight. And sometimes I, I think, Jesus Christ, we've got a hell of a lot to lose. When a fighter's usually described as having nothing to lose, it's because the way outclassed, they're getting a shot at a major title. No one's expecting them to win. But that also means they're weighing over the red in a dangerous fight and the money's probably not very good. And that seems to me like we've got a, a damn See, lot to lose. In that, in that scenario where you, you're saying, I don't think like that's a no-win scenario. But yeah. if, the, if you go into a fight where there's one fighter who's like an elite champion and you know he's going to be the one to win and the fighter who's getting the opportunity is getting serious money where he can set himself up for life. With like Ryder last night. Off, yeah, you could use that as an example. But I think, I imagine Ryder's done all right anyway. He's had some big fights over the years. But for an example, use that as the example. And then that one fight will set him up for life. So even if he loses, got in the long run of his life, he is still a winner. Do you know what I mean? So I think in that scenario, that's the only way I can think of where they say it's a no no lose situation. Because if he wins, he's a superstar, and if he loses, he still sets himself up for life. So yeah. in that scenario, I see it. Yeah, I don't. Know. It's the hell thing. I mean, you could always get badly knocked out, and never be the same fighter when you take a chance. I mean, yeah, the yeah. nearest thing to a no lose to me recently was. Um, the Scottish kid, Boris Crichton, who went and fought Lyndon Arthur. He jumped up a weight. He's hard to get matched at super middleweight because he's unfashionable and can punch. And he got paid to go on Channel 5 and he got a sky fight out of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no lose. Eh? He'll have been well paid and he got through it on short notice. But when you think back, Howard Clark against Fernando Vargas or Paul Lloyd when he fought Barrera. Yeah, was... That was yeah. no, very little yeah. money and you're getting badly hurt, but they'd have been classed as he's got nothing to lose, he can just go and give his best. I mean, fuck me, you know, it seems like Paul Lloyd had a hell of a lot to lose that night. So it, and yeah. it, it's when you a go term that gets thrown about... around a lot, but I don't think it fits sometimes. Sometimes, it, like you're saying there, if it, it might not fit because of who the fighter is. Yeah. And you think, like, no money is worth my health, do you know what I mean? But yeah. for an example, if you were going in with a world champion that wasn't the biggest puncher, he was more technical, you were getting half a million quid to fight him, they're probably thinking, I'll take this anyway because I'm, I'm not going to get it. He might outbox me, but I'll be able to set myself up in the long run, do you know what I mean? But it's... like you were saying, if you're going into Barrera, he's knocked out 34 out of 38 fights. <laughs> you're thinking, ah, you're moving up a weight or something like that. <laughs> It's something you see thrown about by a lot of these new people who hold cameras at Twitter at press conferences. Um, why didn't you just throw the kitchen sink at him? Let your hands go. I think, fucking, have you, have you ever no. been in there? You know, there's a perfectly good reason why he's not letting his hands go. 
You know, he's, he's looking after himself. But I just think it's a term that gets thrown around a lot now, and it's maybe by people who are not quite certain of the consequences yeah. that some of these actions... There's, there's a lot of these terms. That, you know the one that winds me up, and you may disagree with me, this daring to be great. You're not daring. Yeah. You believe you can be great. So you get that. That's yeah. one that winds me up. Daring to yeah, be you, great. That's what you're aiming for your whole career, isn't it, Rob? Yeah. You know, you, you're not daring to be great. Like it's something that's out of your reach. That's what you've trained for since you were 12 or 13 years old. It's it's what yeah, you that, believe that, you can do, isn't it? Like, all the fighters have their own goals, don't they? And then like as yeah. time goes on, you're in, you get more realistic with things. But some fighters, like you're saying, and they say daring to be great, it's... Um, it's a thing that it's their definition of great is what people yeah. mean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Some people's version of great might be a multiple four weight world champion where some fighters are turning pro and just want to win the British title. Yeah. Do you what know what I mean? Your, what was your version was, of great? You turned over. That was. Eh, a... hey, I'd say I was just um, I because I left the amateurs with it with a chip on my shoulder because I felt I'd done by, because uh, I never made it to the podium team and then um. I was just like, I'm just going to give it a go. And then as time went on, I started making noise, started shouting my mouth off, getting noticed by TV. I started to build my own confidence and just started thinking I can I can take on the world. And I've um, I've never been, I've never shied away from any fights. I've went to people's back gardens. I've had some home fights. Uh, and I think I'll just carry on like that till, uh, yeah. till I finish my career. You said realistically your ambitions change a few moments ago. So before, final one before we let you go, Robbie. Um, realistically, what is your ambition now in boxing? Hey, do you know what? Like, I want to get I want to get the rematch before anything, and then um, I'll be looking to uh, take on a big fight, big name. Um, like you got to remember before that the Foley fight. Um, I was meant to be fighting Liam Parrow, who was the uh, yeah the, uh, the world number one, and now he's uh, off the back of that. Like um, he pulled out, went another way. I broke my leg. He's now fighting for the WBC world title. So you never know what's around the corner. Do you know what I mean? So um, I'd like to get myself back on my feet, get the rematch, and then I'll sit down with my team and with Eddie, and then I'll see where see where I am. Crazy, isn't it, Robbie? After that first round against Foley, you look you look great. Everything was in place. It, it, for, for, even for, even the, even the ways set. your career went at the end of that first round. Crazy. Even even the, even the second round was the same though. I was cruising in the second round. I must have hit him with about four clean right hands in that, and then I dropped my left hands, leans back. But me, it was the way my back leg was shaped. I think my back leg was like square on rather than up on my heels, and I just leaned back. And as he's clipped me bang on the chin, like we both hit each other at the same time. I've actually got sent by the photographer a still picture, and I hit him with the right hands as he hits me with the right hoof. It's just like I land on his like forehead and he hits me right on the whistle. So as I've gone over, my back leg is like stuck to the floor, like there's nowhere for it to go. And I've just bent completely over on it and then my legs popped up underneath me because it's all happened so quick and I've jumped up straight away. I don't think anyone noticed besides my corner who were right on top of it. Because when I went into the corner and Shane says to me, how's your ankle? People after the fight were asking me, did you have an injury beforehand? Because Shane was asking you about your ankle. I was like, no, it's just because he was right on top of it and seeing my leg bend underneath me before it popped out. And at the time, I'm sitting in the corner going, no, it's all right, it's all right. And he's going, all right, give me some instructions saying, don't worry about it, keep walking, keep moving to your right, blah, blah, blah. 
And in the middle of him talking, I just went, whoa, I can feel it now. And he went, what can you feel? I said, just like, I could just feel like this hot warmth, like wrapping around my leg. And then obviously the clapping started then like ding, ding, ding. So I stood up for the next round. But remember that all this time when I beat the count, I'm standing up in my corner. My leg is broke. And like, so the adrenaline must have just been keeping me up. And then he he went, is it all right? And I went, I'll tell you now. Come out for the third round. Start sword fencing. It's as clear as day to me. Like, I can remember every second of it. Foley throws like a jab and it like glances me. And then he like, he like faints a right hook. Like he doesn't even try and hit me. And I just lean off it in case anything else comes with it. And my leg just bends underneath me. And I just like, I've never broke anything in my body. And obviously I couldn't see the way it bent until I seen the replays. And I just remember rolling over to my corner and looking at them and saying, it's broke. It's broke. And they instantly started rolling the corner, um, waving the towel. But one other thing, like what we didn't even, what could have been a subject for today, is Marcus McDonald, the referee, began to count when no when no contact was made. Um, and he hasn't gone back on it. And it's gone down on my record that I was knocked out because he, he's too stubborn to say he was wrong, basically. And um, I've, me, my team and myself have been back and forth with the board who have said to me, oh, yeah, we've watched the fight back. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you watched the fight back so you actually know that there was no contact made. And in that sort of scenario, with one fight, he just falls over, you say, stop, wipe your gloves, box on. Marcus McDonald just started counting. And if you see from the replays, he's not in a position where he can't see. He's standing right in front of it, so he knows no contact was made. I think it's just because of the whole, like, what was going on. He's just got too excited and started counting. And then because I jumped up and couldn't, like, hold me hold me on weight and grabbed, grabbed him on the shoulder, he's just waved it off. But while all this is going on, Shane and my corner are already waving the towel, like, trying to retire me. And he's just like oblivious to it, like just completely not looking. So that's it. That's been a bit of swill, bit of bit of pill to swallow, like you know, from my point of view. I tell you what, just listening to you talking about it, I can see why when I said there, what's your realistic ambitions, and all you, all and obviously all you're focused on is this rematch, and the way you've given us insight and spoke about it today is obvious. Yeah, honestly, like a couple of things, like after the fight, a better way at me definitely. Um, but it's like it's I one know, of them. You, can you know, Foley, Foley said, didn't he, as well? Rematch yeah. after the fight. To be fair, like, um, obviously, when I'm in fight mode, I, I don't like to uh, get on with too many people because I have to be in that sort of mode. And any time I've ever been in a fight where the, where the opponent has been a top lad and I've knew that, I've always boxed shit. So the, for, ever since then, I've always liked to start keeping the mind frame as, like, I need to smash you up. Do you know what I mean? But... While I'm in the ring and I'm sitting on the stool, he comes over to me and he goes, oh, in his Irish accent, fucking hell, Rob, I feel a twat. I've just been celebrating on the ropes. Didn't realise you broke your leg. And I, <laughs> I just like, and I was like, fair enough, do you know what I mean? And then he went, tell you what, you didn't have to give me. The... And I didn't know what he meant at this point, but he went, if you're ready to go in three months, I'll give you the rematch. And what he must have meant by that, because he knew he had that in his contract that he had to fight in 90 days. But at the time when he said that, I'm thinking... What are you on about? 90 days. My legs broke. I never said nothing at the time. I was just like, I'm pretty vague at this moment. Nothing's coming out of me. I'm just listening to him. And it's only like days later, like I started realising what he actually meant when I spoke to Eddie and that. 
and Eddie said like he's, he had to fight within 90 days and I was thinking that's what Foley meant in the ring when he said to me if you're ready in three months I'll give you the rematch because no one wants to win like that but when he was saying that to me in the ring I was like thinking what are you on about <laughs> but obviously that was why do you know what I mean well I'll tell you what you've given us tremendous insight tonight you've been a wonderful guest uh all we can do is hope you're you're back in the ring very very soon and you get that yeah. rematch that and those things that are eating away at you are raised when you get that rematch so thanks for coming on Robbie yeah honestly thanks for, thanks for getting me on lads it's been a good one and John thank you very much for leaving the street party I've got to give you a quick call John Evans before you go back to the to the foaming <laughs> hour and whatever you're having for supper with your neighbours tonight Thanks Before everyone. you put your great, your great Britain flag back on your head. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks, everyone, for watching or, and listening. As you can see, you know, but man in a moment, Royalist John. Thanks very much, everybody. For all boxing, info, news and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.